By now, you've all heard of Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0, the latest book published by Mama Jumbo Shrimp. It's more than just another wine book. The fully updated second edition was inspired by students of the Vinitali International Academy and painstakingly reviewed and revised by an expert panel of certified Italian wine ambassadors from across the globe. The book also includes an edition by Professore Attilio Scienza, Italy's leading vine geneticist. The benchmark producer's feature is a particularly important aspect of this revised edition. The selection makes it easier for our readers to get their hands on a bottle of wine that truly represents a particular grape or region. To pick up a copy, just head to Amazon.com or visit us at MamaJumboShrimp.com. Welcome to another episode of On the Road Edition, hosted by Stevie Kim. Each week, she travels to incredible wine destinations, interviewing some of the Italian wine scene's most interesting personalities, talking about wines, the foods, as well as the incredible travel destinations. Where did you go to school? I went to a, um, a local public school very progressive elementary school called right. West Patton Elementary School. It was so progressive because it was all on one level, windows everywhere, corridors that connected all the different areas, no doors, except on the bathrooms. No doors. We had no classrooms. It was open classrooms, no desks. You worked at round tables. It was all about collaboration, creating a plaza for people to share, about coincidence, about serendipity. Uh, there were first graders mixed with second graders, third graders mixed with second. There was this idea that together we were going to learn. And in the center of the school, there were two things. The very center of the school, there was the art lab. And next to the art lab, there was the library. So there was this very strong imprinting in me that we learn through certain kinds of spaces. And how we interact with people is what elevates us as human beings. Art and the library and how that comes together in the world through storytelling, through visual storytelling, through words themselves, through how we, in now that I'm in the world of hospitality, think about creating experiences, whether you're sitting at a table for three hours or whether you're just going to come on a tour with me of Modena or I'm going to take you through an Achetaya or you're going to read a book that we've written about our dishes, about our ideas, about how we move forward. Um, also an ethical practice with Food for Soul. Something magical can happen if you don't scrape your knee too badly. You can actually see the world from another point of view. And when you see the world from another point of view, that opens up a window to poetry, to the unexpected, to circumstances and serendipity. And you never know what could happen the next few hours of your day. Okay, so I think that's a good segue into uh, your serendipity. I have to be honest with you. I, uh, I've met Massimo on um, several occasions um, for work. And um, I feel like you're Hillary Clinton, you know? Like, I feel like you are very much the woman behind the man. And this is why I'm so excited to be having this conversation with you today. You know, and it's not about being behind someone. I think it's a really, it is about the power of two. And the idea that you can bounce ideas off of another person because you trust them and they have your back. 
and they're going to tell you the hard truth, but they're also going to take you out of any moment of delusion or getting too comfortable with yourself or you've forgotten why you're here on this planet and what you need to do and you wake the other person up and maybe they don't want to be woken up because it's six in the morning, but you do that. And that's what Massimo and I do for each other. And, um, you know, he is mercurial and fast and leads the way. And when Massimo has an idea, there's no turning back. It's not as if I can convince him not to do something, but sometimes I'm able to accompany it and help that idea, that vision happen quicker, happen the way he wants it to happen. And maybe add a little bit of my own touch, a little sparkle, a little dust so that it sparkles in a different way. And um, that's that's our project. Yeah. So, you know, uh, Lara, like I'm going through, I just went through your Instagram grid because. Oh, I mean, no. Yeah. So <laughs> because I kind of feel like, you know, on your um, Insta profile, usually people who work like both of us, we put the things that kind of we want to show, right? And so, first of all, you have Osteria Francescana yeah. as, as the link. And then you have Food for Soul. Yes. You have Casa Maria Luigia. Yes. You have Franceschetta. Yes. And then you had Tortellante. Yes. So, first of all, tell us a little bit about each of these projects. The reason that I can be involved in so many projects is because I have... We have so many amazing people who work for us and the team has grown over the years and our central office is a dynamic place where there are people doing a little bit of everything and that makes things possible. Um, Austria Francescana is the home base. It's the lab. It's the cultural lab. It's where many of our ideas over the last 27 years, which are celebrating now, have formed and where we basically learn to, we have a bodega, Rinascimentale, where young people are learning, they're working, they're creating, they're making art, they're also making future, they're thinking about how to do things better, whether it's in our organization or in the organization of the kitchen, the people we hire, how to bring up the next generation of sommeliers and front of house and chefs and thinkers who can collaborate with the dynamic and difficult and complicated and continually changing world of hospitality, which we see today. So Francescana has, is our base. It's our home. It's where everything begins. And nothing would be possible without Francescana. From Francescana, then we branched out and we opened a little Franceschetta. Franceschetta was always meant to be a little sister, casual. It's in a recovered tire shop, a gomista. It's in Modena. It's about 10-minute walk from Francescana. Francescetta is an opportunity to let them shine and work together and create their own team. We let them to be very much independent. And Modena loves Franceschetta because it's easy, informal, and yet they're always trying to bring along the guests to try something new, to look at a tortellino in a different way. We have a ravioli with robiola and there's some chamomile and you know things you wouldn't classically put together in Modena. And yet there's a trust in Francesquetta and a willingness to have fun. The price, the price is specifically kept at a certain level so that people can feel that they're going there to have fun. It doesn't have to be the important dinner of, you know, their lifetime. And that way they're a little bit more open to experimenting, also experimenting with the wines. We work with a lot of biodynamic AAA wines. And it's a very casual staff. Our chefs come out, our wait staff are in the kitchen. We're moving people around. And it's an experiment. So, Casa Luigia is our probably our newest project. 
2019. A Casa Maravilla was something that Massimo had always dreamed about, having a place to entertain, to share uh, with guests a little bit more of us and our passions and a little bit more of Modena, not only Modena city center, but the Emilian countryside. It's in San Damaso. It's about 15-minute drive from downtown Modena. It is a place where we can invite our guests to explore our passion for contemporary art as we've put into every single room a lot of the artists that we adore and love and who have inspired us in our thinking. It is a guest house. It has How many rooms. rooms. Oh, so it's, it's small. It's small. It's yeah. very intimate. And then our two social projects. Yes. So the first one, one being Food for Soul. Which is what you're presenting. Which I'm presenting today. And it was kind of the, a beautiful invitation from Rosso Montalcino to add to their program, to this first Red Montalcino, the possibility also to talk about not just what we do at the table, eating and drinking, but how much of the experience of being at a table can also change someone's life, so, especially when they're in a moment of fragility or experiencing homelessness or experiencing food insecurity and that being invited around a beautiful table, a table where you're going to be served as if you're in a restaurant, where you're going to be taken care of during the meal, where no one is going to ask you to get up and leave, but welcome you can also be the beginning of rebuilding your dignity. This project started as an experiment with Expo. Many of our friends were coming, our chef friends were coming to Expo. We renovated a theater. So we did this during Expo in Teatro Greco. We're not in the Expo Fair. We're in an external structure. And we've been working since then to continue opening refectorios, sharing this idea that around the table we are equals and that we can rebuild dignity through a beautiful meal shared together. So it's based on volunteers. Are you enjoying this podcast? There's so much more high quality wine content available from Mama Jumbo Shrimp. Check out our new wine study maps, our books on Italian wine, including Italian Wine Unplugged, The Jumbo Shrimp Guide to Italian Wine, Sangiovese Lambrusco and other stories, and much, much more on our website, mamajumboshrimp.com. Now back to the show. We program. have many, many volunteers. Right. Of course, we have our staff as well. We have program directors, right. culinary directors, always based on a partnership. We partner with organizations around the world because Food for Soul is based in Italy and we are here. So we can't be here and there at the same time. Yeah. And so in Milan, we partnered with a Refettorio Ambrosiano. In um, Naples, we partnered with uh, Made in Cloister, which is a cultural organization. Um, in Bologna, we've partnered with the uh, Antoniano, which has been running a mensa, a soup kitchen since the 1950s. Um, we have partners around the world to do different things, but they also wanted to jump in and be part of this project with us. You built this community. It's all about community. And I think food is about community and drinking wine is about community and being around the table. It's these mini communities that can be formed for just one night or they can be repeated every week or every Sunday. What happened during the COVID when the pandemic outbreak? How did you manage all of these community uh, related activities. Food for Soul, it was, um, we were all in a panic 
Fortunately, we had begun two years earlier something that we call the Learning Network. Mm -hmm. So basically, all the different organizations, all of our projects, we connect once a month and speak to each other. We share problems. We share triumphs. We share difficulties. So everyone has a relationship. And so that Learning Network started talking, and we were able to pivot very quickly into meals to be delivered, right, meals so to be picked up, okay. because we didn't want to stop our, our meal services. Of course, we couldn't have guests staying inside, but that continuity of knowing that there was someone there for them meant a lot. And it still does. So what is it now, the status? Is it pretty much back to it's, it's normal? It's back to normal, yeah, yeah. More or less. That's very nice. Listen, and then you have uh, Tortelante. Tortelante was this tiny little idea that began with two friends of mine, Silvia Panini and Erica Copelli, both who have um, yeah, sons on the autistic spectrum. Our son, Charlie Butura, is not on the autistic spectrum, but has a disability and has many characteristics of autism. And we were speaking together about what could we do differently than what was being done in the, in, in, in the arena of rehabilitation for you know, young people? Because there's basketball and there's speech therapy and then there's, you know, other kinds of activities. But no one was talking about cooking or being in the kitchen, right. especially around these young men. Mm -hmm. And Sylvia had the idea, why don't we organize an after-school tortellini-making class? Like as an after-school activity? As, as an after-school activity. And we were using an abandoned elementary school and... Everyone called on every resdora, nonna, zia, an aunt, or someone they knew who knew how to make handmade pasta, who knew how to make tortellini, because they were the ones who could, they were the only ones who could be the teachers, because they know it in their hands. Right. It doesn't even need to be communicated with words. A lot of these young men don't speak. They don't have language. Oh, right, right, right. And That's... so we had all these grandmothers and family members teaching a group of young men, how to make tortellini. You know, when they read about you or when they see you, the couplehood, the, the power couple kind of thing, you know, you think there aren't any struggles or challenges. You know, everything happened overnight kind of thing. Oh, yeah. But, That's, um, <laughs> but exactly. I mean, seriously, you know. With, it's been, you know, it took us 18 years to get our three Michelin yeah, stars. Yeah, I think people don't understand that. And in a way, I was speaking this morning, yeah. um, Massimo's always been very focused. He's always known he's wanted, you know, to have Michelin stars, but for a reason. He wants to move the Italian kitchen forward. He wanted to get those stars on his own terms, in his own kitchen, with his own ideas, being provocative, being an agitator, being someone who says, we can look at the Italian kitchen from another point of view and still be recognized. But once we had those stars and Massimo had his jacket hanging on the bedroom door, for the first week because he couldn't believe that it actually happened, okay? 2011, we realized very shortly within that moment that we had received them that it's not about getting three Michelin stars. It's about what you're going to do with your three Michelin stars. And it's about the voice that you have been given from your hard work, from your struggles, from your challenges. You earned that voice, but that voice needs to be used for something other than just your own business. You know, you've been married for how many years now? 
So, uh, July 15th, it's going to be 27. Oh, my goodness. And we met in 1993. Congratulations. First of all, it's no small miracle nowadays. I know. Right? With all the also challenges that you have. I don't think anybody who makes it is ever, it's ever easy. Also because there's a lot of sacrifices. We had this moment, those three months of the first kind of lockdown quarantine. We created a program called Kitchen Quarantine in our house because finally Massimo was at home cooking. Right. And my children and I could see and participate and be part of it. That's and funny. we were a family for the first it's time. It's like a reality we, show. we've always been living a restaurant life where every night I'm out one part, Massimo's out in another right. part, you know, and our kids are kind of, Get, you know, they're, they're, they're adults now, but um, it was a moment for us to have a family life that we had never had. And that made me realize what a sacrifice it has been also for our children to have parents who are crazy and dynamic and doing a million things and hopefully inspiring in some way, but not the traditional mother and father home around the dinner table. So I guess my last question is, how would you like to be remembered as? Like, what kind of, what would you like to leave behind? Not just for your children, right. but for, for well, the world. Well, three things to be very quickly. First, I've always believed in Modena. I've always believed in Emilia Romagna being um, an extraordinary place that has a lot to share. We've invested a lot in Modena and that Modena is growing, partly thanks to our great effort and, yeah. our, and, our, and our true love for, for that region. Second thing, creating more future in our future, not only for our restaurant group, but for all the young people who pass through our kitchen, our offices, our front of house, who then go on to do incredible things. We are building the next generation of restaurateurs, of chefs, of thinkers, people who are willing to put in the time and energy, make sacrifices, and bring the Italian kitchen forward. So there's so many different platforms that we love to share. But I think the thing that moves me the most is when we're recognized for, oh, he's the guy who's working on food waste, trying to intercept the chain of food waste that happens and not recognized for being the three Michelin star chef. I think that's a legacy that we will live behind. Or the Tortellante project, where with an ingredient that is so iconic to Modena, a, tortell a tortellino is a container for an idea. Can we shift that idea and think about it being an inclusive idea. Can gastronomy be inclusive? Can it really address our social issues of today? Can it move forward and be an influencer in a much greater way than just a new dish, a new restaurant, a new award? So that's what I hope we leave behind. Well, I think that's, that's the very good way to end this episode. Um, Italian Wine Podcast. Italian Wine Podcast, but I want the t-shirt. Yeah. I, I, someone has promised me a t-shirt. Yay! Oh, there you go. <laughs> I am covered in it. Italian Wine Podcast. Okay. So guys, this is such an honor. Thank you so much. Wine makes us funner, more <laughs> joyful, and also more interesting people. Okay. Ciao. Sounding off. Ciao, ragazzi. Ciao. For joining us on another installment of On the Road Edition, hosted by Stevie Kim. Join her again next week for more interesting content in the Italian wine scene. You can also find us at italianwinepodcast.com or wherever you get your pods. You can also check out our YouTube channel, Mama Jumbo Shrimp, to watch these interviews and the footage captured of each location. Chin chin!